1: Hi, I'm Lisa Davis with Andrea Donsky. We always have a great time Hello. here on Naturally Savvy. Hello. Glad you're listening to the podcast. Mm-hmm. Tell your friends, subscribe on iTunes and all that good stuff. Mm-hmm. You know, for years when you think about healthy living and healthy eating, I think a lot of people think gluten-free. Well, we have got a very interesting guest today. He has a fantastic book. It's Dr. John Dulliard, a science, Excuse me, Eat Wheat, a Scientific and Clinically Proven Approach to Safely Bringing Wheat and Dairy Back into Your Diet. Dr. John, welcome to the show.
2: Thank you. Great to be here.
1: You know, when I read the book, I realized that a lot of what you were talking about is the importance of healing our digestion so we can tolerate things like wheat and dairy, but that there's also health benefits to them in your eyes. Talk to us about that, because for so long we've been, you know, anti-dairy, anti-wheat. My, especially I'm, myself, I'm, I'm more anti-dairy than wheat, but I did learn a lot. So tell us about uh, this book and why you wrote it.
2: Well, I think, you know, the the main reason was, you know, for years people would come in to my my practice and they would have problems with, you know, food intolerances, they fatigue, exhaustion, chronic fatigue, candida, and the easiest thing to do is they get off of wheat and dairy and they would always feel better for a short period of time, but then shortly thereafter they'd come back in, their problems would come back, and you say, well, get off of nuts and seeds and soy, and they'd get better for a while, and the problems would come back, and then you say, well, you know, maybe get off of meat, and then they become a vegetarian, and then down the road a vegan, and down the road a raw foodist. And next thing you know, we've been kicking the real underlying problem down the road. And and um, so I think it's really easy to say, yeah, wheat and dairy is bad. People feel bad when they when they eat it. I totally understand that when people eat wheat, they don't feel good. And of course, why in the world would you eat something that makes you feel bad? So for sure, I I totally respect that. But the but my the reason why I wrote the book was. We haven't solved the problem by just taking wheat and dairy out of the diet. In fact, whole wheat, not refined wheat, which most of us are eating, is linked to, you know, a 53% reduction in Alzheimer's disease. A wow. Study after study shows it reduces the risk of type 2 diabetes and blood sugar concerns, which are directly linked to Alzheimer's and cognitive decline. You know, whole wheat's been shown to reduce weight and arthritic changes in the body. So there are volumes of studies. When I looked into the research, suggesting that wheat is actually really, really good. For good. And then there are, you know, really, you know, uh, cherry pick science that suggests that wheat is really bad. Now I understand wheat's a hard-to-digest food, and we have a $16 billion-year gluten-free industry. This is suggesting that we should stop eating wheat and replace it with processed gluten-free foods that's what the $16 billion a year industry is selling us is more processed foods. And the science is really clear, hard to ignore, that the processed foods, the, the, the cooked, refined, bleached, deodorized fats that they gave us when they re- took the cholesterol out of our diet in 1960 and replaced it with these vegetable oils that are used to extend shelf life and shorten our life, They actually are used as preservatives that actually break down our digestive system. And what we're getting in replacement for the the gluten-free industry is providing for us is more of the processed foods that have directly linked to the great breakdown of our digestion. And that has to be fixed because your ability to digest well is your ability to detoxify well. And we dump 400 billion pounds of chemicals in the American environment every year many of which are really serious, 62 million are cancer-causing. So if you can't digest well, and you once were able, and we just take a couple of hard to digest foods out of our diet, never really fix the problem. It's a false sense of security. And I really think whether you eat weed or not isn't really the major issue. The major issue is we can break bread if it's good quality, non-processed versions of bread, and we can, along the way, reboot our digestive strength to give us the protection against this toxic world that we live in. Whether we like it or not, we, we, we ha- our body has to endure a lot of very new toxins in our environment that we're just not, you know, genetically used to.
0: What about the wheat? I was told that wheat, after it's harvested, is actually sprayed with glyphosate. So I think that was some of the issues that people have when it comes to eating mm-hmm. wheat, is that now they're eating food that contains glyphosate, even though it's not obviously in the DNA when it's grown. Mm-hmm. What do you say to that?
2: Well, what I say to that is that a new study came out and said that 65 that that 65 percent of the rainfall over America has glyphosate in it.
0: That's scary. Um, the Mary. The, oh.
2: the idea that we yeah. actually spray wheat on crops as a desiccant to to actually kill the wheat so it so it actually goes to it actually been harvested harvested in a more consistent fashion. I wrote a whole chapter in my book about that. It isn't really happening that much. Most but most farmers aren't doing that at all anymore. But glyphosate is a real issue. It's damaging to the intestinal skin, causes a lot of issues. Most of these pesticides and and, uh, herbicides actually kill the microbes in our mouth, stomach, esophagus, small and large intestine that are engineered to specifically uh, break down the hard to digest components of wheat. It's another one of the reasons why we have issues digesting not only wheat but other hard to digest foods um, so we definitely have to eat organic, and the reality mm-hmm. is if 65% of the rain has glyphosate in it, we have to protect our intestinal tract and our intestinal skin and fight against this global breakdown of our digestion because just taking wheat out of the diet, there's actually studies that show when people are actually go gluten-free, they have four times as much mercury in their blood as people who eat wheat. This is going to surprise a lot of people, people who eat gluten-free, have less good bacteria, more bad bacteria, and less killer T-cells a measure of immunity than people who actually eat wheat, suggesting that wheat, the hard-to-digest components of wheat, the lectins and the anti-nutrients, have been for millions of years, not 10,000, but millions of years, been immune-stimulates for our intestinal tract to trigger an immune response. And when you just take all the hard-to-digest stuff out of our diet, because I don't feel good when I eat it, we are taking you know, foods that we've, been, we've evolved to eat for millions of years that trigger an immune response. And a great example of that is that the Amish kids. They have the lowest rates of asthma on the planet. They have cows for pets. They run barefoot in the barns. And they measured the dust and the air that these Amish kids breathe who have the lowest rates of asthma on the planet. And they have all these dust irritants that trigger and irritate the respiratory tract to trigger an immune response. It's called the hygiene hypothesis, and it's something that we're beginning to see, mm-hmm. that when we sterilize our environment, kill all the bacteria, take all the hard-to-digest foods out of our diet, it's not good for us. We have, we, these harder-to-digest foods are part of our evolutionary digestive process, and we did it 60 years ago with cholesterol. We said, oh, saturated fats are bad, take them out. turned out to be linked link to obesity, depression, diabetes, and the great breakdown of our digestive system, and we're still digging out of that mistake. And now we're saying, let's take wheat, which we've been eating for not 10,000 years. They found gluten in the teeth of ancient humans three and a half million years ago, just all over Africa, by the way. So so we have a lot of genetics for breaking down these harder-to-digest components of wheat. And yes, if our digestive system is weak, the glutens will become a problem, and they will cause these problems, but we can fix that digestive strength. We can repair and heal the intestinal skin so it's not exposed to the gluten and really bring the digestive strength slash ability to detoxify back to where it should be so we can protect ourselves against this toxic world we live in.
0: You know, a question I have is that, you know, you bring up a good point about going gluten-free because a lot of the gluten-free products, or most of it, they don't have fiber. So they don't have the things that will pull a lot of those you know, chemicals or toxins that we're exposed to out of our body. So here you're eating something that won't irritate your digestive system, but then you're also not getting the fiber, the sufficient fiber to actually keep your body clean from everything that, you know, a lot of people end up getting constipated or end up not going to the bathroom as much as they should. But what about for those people who actually can't tolerate it? So I'm not talking even celiac. I'm talking people who can't tolerate wheat, that it gives them a foggy head or it does something to them, even based on that book, Grain Brain. I mean, there is significant evidence that shows that eating wheat can actually you know, cause or they say now is it correlated to type three diabetes, which is Alzheimer's. So I'd love to hear your thoughts on that.
2: It's simply not true. And let me explain why. I did a great debate with David Perlmutter, the author of Grain Brain. You can watch that interview Mm. on my website at Lifespot.com. And here's the the science that David used was that refined wheat has a high glycemic index and therefore acts like sugar. And sugar is linked to Alzheimer's type three diabetes. And therefore causes Alzheimer's but whole wheat in its natural state has a low glycemic index and in study after study after study lowers the risk of type 2 diabetes so to say that the refined processed wheat is, is actually the cause of you know is, is is you know throw that into the basket with really good whole wheat that's been around for millions of years is just not the same animal and that's what we did with cholesterol. We said, oh, cholesterol causes heart disease, which it didn't. And then anything that actually raised cholesterol was considered bad for your heart, which they weren't. And we just sort of extrapolated the same kind of philosophy. And if refined wheat has a high glycemic index, it therefore acts like sugar, it therefore causes Alzheimer's, therefore wheat's bad. No, refined wheat, processed wheat, is really, really, really bad for us and has broken down our digestive systems directly. But whole wheat has actually been shown to lower the risk of Alzheimer's. In one study, the MIND diet, Mediterranean diet, respectively, 53% reduction in Alzheimer's and 54% reduction in Alzheimer's in those, both of those diets, which include three servings of whole grains and whole wheat per day. And these studies show that, that, that people live 18... 18- 20% longer when you look at the people who eat more whole grains than per people who actually eat less whole grains. Studies show that whole wheat versus refined re, repairs the intestinal tract of the, of the intestinal skin. Another study showed ancient grains versus modern grains. Modern grains, had, the ancient grain had twice as much gluten as the modern wheat did, twice as much. But the, the grain with twice as much gluten had twice the reduction of inflammation, lowered Blood sugar and lowered cholesterol levels, suggesting that how could gluten be so bad if the grain with twice the gluten reduced intestinal inflammation by twofold? So the the science doesn't really add up, and this is what we do in America: we just take, we cherry pick science we want to to prove the point, to help prove the concept that people feel bad when they eat wheat. I am not denying that. I've been in practice for 35 years. I totally get that. But what I've been doing with people over the years is rebuilding their digestive strength and watching them go back to eating whole foods, whole grains, whole wheat back in their diet again. And it's you know it's too easy to just say, don't eat wheat, and wheat's really bad for you. It's just not. It's just too simple of a solution, and it doesn't last. People don't feel better long term
0: interesting you know my daughter recently she's 11 and she never you know I've always had food allergies and food sensitivities pretty much for ever since I've been in teenager and my daughter recently she was always eating fine eating her gluten and dairy together and then recently she would get stomach aches after eating something with wheat and dairy so for example let's say pizza or let's say a mac and cheese a homemade mac and cheese what do you think that could be contributing to that because we've been racking our brains we're like what is it that every time she eats those two combined that she doesn't feel so good after and what are ways that we can let's say fix that because I'm really I'm open to ideas and I love what you're saying so I just it's fascinating to me (laughs)
2: Well, a couple of yeah, things. One, here's a couple. There's some really interesting studies that show when that when the digestive fire, is strength of the digestive system and the stomach gets weaker, the proteins that, like the casein in the in the cheese and the and the the gluten in the dairy and the wheat, should be broken down in the stomach. But if they're not, the molecules go into the small intestine and they're too large to get into the bloodstream. So they end up going into the intestinal. Uh, collecting ducts for the lymphatic system and they congest your lymphatic system and your lymphatic system lines your entire digestive tract and it delivers energy to every cell of the body to mm-hmm. keep your keep you to give you baseline energy it is the carrier system for your immune system and it also is a detoxification system so the lymphatic system when that gets congested then the lymph around the whole body will get congested by these undigested proteins, which include pesticides, preservatives, and, you know, all kinds of environmental toxins will do the same thing. And as a result, the lymph system gets congested. And new research, two years old or so, found that we drain three pounds of toxic chemicals out of our brain every single year and the skin has what's called skin associated lymphatic vessels underneath it. So when you eat wheat and don't digest it completely or environmental pollutants, there's mercury on every organic vegetable mm-hmm. you can't wash off from the cold mine plumes, that those toxins and those hard to digest proteins will find their way into the intestinal Lymphatic collecting ducts congest your lymph, and the extra, the lymph, when it's blocked, will push into the fat, give you belly fat, go in to congest your skin, giving you rashes and, and eczema and hives, and also cannot block the drainage of three pounds of toxic, toxins from your brain every year, giving you brain frog. And I talked to David Perlmutter about this. I said, Your issue is not really a grain brain issue, it's a brain drain issue that has been oh, never that. really addressed. And if we detoxify the lymphatic system, repair the so it seals up against these, these hard to digest proteins and then strengthen the upper digestion so you can break down these proteins you really solve the problem without having to take wheat out of the diet. And the new science, like I said, is saying that maybe it's a really bad idea to take something we've been eating for three and a half million years out of our diet and also have our radar on, radar on every grain. It's grain brain, not wheat brain, you know what I mean? And so we're looking at <laughs> taking anything with an anti-nutrient on it, not seeds, legumes, rice, beans, wheat. That's sort of like, what, what are we, when are we going to stop and start treating the whole, the real problem. And that's, and, I, and we can talk about how to reboot digestive strength. There's some really simple ways to do that.
1: Yeah, I was about to ask, Dr. John, if you can talk about the ways to reboot it.
2: Well, the first thing is your bile, your liver. I mean, the, 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 the big thing that got us into this mess in the first place is refined sugar and cooked vegetable oils. If you look at your loaf of bread that stays squishy on yourself for a month, there's cooked vegetable oils that make it stay squishy forever, and that is indigestible. It's insidiously in most of our foods in restaurants and everywhere, and it congests our liver and gallbladder, and those are called processed foods, and they cause real problems. So we've got to get those out of your diet. So when you look at a loaf of bread, you want to look at the ingredients that look like the organic whole wheat, water, salt, and an organic starter. That's what the ingredients for bread should be like. That bread should stay soft for a day or two and get hard, as opposed to stay squishy forever. So the liver and the gallbladder get congested. Now, your bile is like a Pac-Man in your liver, gobbling up toxins and fats and yucky stuff. But the bile also buffers the acid in your stomach. And you need a lot of acid in your stomach to break down the protein in in the milk and in the wheat. So if you don't have good bile flow from the years of congestion, which is also bile is also linked to good bowel movements. So if you don't have good healthy bowel movements, the chance you don't have good bile flow and good bile flow, if that's congested, which a lot of people have, number one surgery in America today, gallbladder surgery. Yeah. If those gallbladders have gotten weakened over the sixty years of this processed food experiment, the digestive fire is going to say, Hey, I have a whole ham sandwich up here and I need four ounces of bile to neutralize the acid and buff get rid of all these fats and the stomach and the stomach doesn't hear anything from the gallbladder. The gallbladder doesn't produce enough bile, so the stomach says, "You know what, guys? I'm going to hold on to all this ham sandwich for a while until you guys get your act together." And if the liver and the bile never gets their to act together, and the bile isn't there in enough, you know, enough quantity to buffer all the acid, the stomach will eventually just turn off the production of the acid, and therefore dial down your ability to digest hard-to-digest foods, and thus enter this whole, you know, this whole global inability to digest wheat and dairy or hard to digest protein. So if we can increase bile flow, we solve that problem. You have buffers for the acid, you have the bile to emulsify the good fats and the bad fats, and good things begin to happen. So the ways to do that, add beets. Red beets are fantastic bile movers. Have a beet, celery, and apple juice in the morning. Blend it up, put it it in a blender, add a little water, and drink a little bit, not a 20-ounce Whole thing, but six eight, eight ounces in the morning to start your day with breakfast—a fantastic way to get your bile to begin to move. Um, artichokes are fantastic for your bile. Leafy mm-hmm. greens, greens liver. Um, also, uh, fenugreek tea increases your bile by your bile contraction by fifty percent, and turmeric does the exact same thing. Turmeric, a great bile gallbladder contractor. So, turmeric, fenugreek, uh, beets, apples celery, artichokes, all fantastic, what are called colagogues to increase bile flow and to get your bile and your liver and your gallbladder back online so it can do its job. It's really the kingpin. And then you might want to go, well, let's turn on the upper digestion too, and and how do I get that working? Well, there's some really amazing spices that do that. Five spices, one called ginger, cumin, Mm -hmm. coriander, fennel, and cardamom. That's ginger, cumin, coriander, fennel, and cardamom. They're five spices that have been shown individually to be phenomenal for helping the digestive system. But when you put them all together, an old ancient formula of digestion, the science shows that it actually increases your own ability to make your own digestive acid, make your own digestive enzymes, make your own bile. So instead of saying, here's some hydrochloric acid and here's a digestive enzyme to do the job for you, which never lasts forever, but he, he, these are spices that have been used for thousands of years that now have really amazing science to suggest that we can actually reboot your ability to make these digestive acids and the hydrochloric acid in the bile all by itself. And that's a better road to hose, to get people to do the digesting for themselves as opposed to becoming dependent on another pill and powder. Hmm.
0: What about something like platelets? What are those related to? Like, do you, in terms of, you know, does there any effect if you eat too much wheat or you don't eat wheat or you're gluten-free or you're not gluten-free?
2: Well, a lot of that has to do with lymphatic congestion. If you, have, if you yeah. have an inability to digest hard to digest foods, and therefore proteins and bad fats, environmental pollutants, mercury on your coal mm-hmm. mine from the coal mine pl- um, plumes, they are fat soluble, and they require a really good bile to break down those fats. And if those fats and the proteins, the gluten and the casein and dairy, aren't being broken down, they will go undigested okay. and, and con- con- congest your lymphatic system. And the lymph system is like the drains in your house. If your drains are clogged, mm-hmm. you can't get sure. the good blood in. So, therefore, your blood will become thicker You create higher right. blood pressure. You have a lot of issues that are linked to poor lymphatic drainage. In fact, when the brain uh, lymphatics get congested, the science shows that that's directly linked to inflammation infection Mm -hmm. autoimmune conditions anxiety depression and cognitive decline so much of those are the symptoms we call the grain brain symptoms from wheat but those are caused by lymph brain lymphatics being congested and if you can decongest those You get that mental clarity back. You get that energy and that vitality back. You de-inflame your system. You get rid of underlying infections because your lymph, which is your immune system, is now not stuck in traffic. It's moving. And I take you and eat wheat step-by-step to how to troubleshoot every single aspect of your digestive system to find out where did I break down? Was it my liver and my gallbladder? Was it my stomach acid production? Was it my bile flow? Was it my intestinal tract broke down and become more sieve-like and didn't protect me well? Or was it my lymphatic system that got congested and how to troubleshoot that and how to rebuild and repair that?
0: Well, hold on. You said something very interesting right now. So what you were saying is that people who then experience that grain-brain effect is basically due to the fact that there's, there's something in their brain. Their brain isn't getting rid of the toxins as quickly as they should. So let's just go back to that for a second, because I think that's a very good point. And a lot of people are experiencing memory issues or cognitive issues by eating these grains, which is why I think a book like Green Brain probably took off so well, is that people see a significant difference once they're removing those grains from their diet. So just repeat that for me, because I think that's super important what you just said.
2: No, it's so true. About two or three years ago, they found lymphatics in the brain that drain about three pounds of toxic chemicals and plaque out of your brain every year. While you sleep at night. And so while you're sleeping, if you're not sleeping well, the brain doesn't drain. And if you're not exercising, moving during the day, the muscles contract when you exercise, and that pumps the big lymphatics and gets the waste out of the body that way. But if you don't move very much during the day, don't exercise well, then those big limbs that are draining are going to congest your little microscopic limbs that are trying to drain while you sleep at night, and all of a sudden, slowly but surely, your brain doesn't drain. Sugar Hmm. is a big culprit here. Vegetable oils and bad fats are big culprits here, and they directly, both of them, congest your lymphatic system. So all of a sudden, your brain can't drain, your skin limbs can't drain, you get rashes and hives, your, your belly becomes extra fat because you have all this bloat because all, the, all those toxins are pushed into the fat cells out of your lymphatic system because your lymph system is congested. You know, what's interesting Lisa, is there are literally volumes of science about the lymphatic system that may take years before it reaches medical practice. And what I do on my my website at Lifespot.com is I take ancient wisdom and I try to prove it with modern science. And, and, And what I found was that the ancient people, they talked about the lymphatic system specifically. They actually found the location of these brain limbs thousands of years ago and drew pictures of them. And then when they found them three, four years ago, two, three years ago, They found them exactly in the location right across the top of your head, what's called the sagittal sinus, like a mohawk haircut. And those lymphatics drain your brain. But if those lymphs are congested, and and if you have other lymphatic congestive issues, like your your rings get tight in your fingers, your ankles swell, you have rashes, skin concerns, your breasts swell prior to your menstruation, you hold on to water or bloat, you have joint pain that moves around your body from here to there, wake up stiff and achy in the morning, tired, lethargic, allergic, hypersensitive to the environment or foods. These are drain clogging events, and those are easily repaired if you decongest the lymph. And great lymphatic decongestors are all your things that will, when you eat foods that you spill on you and they dye your clothes red, green, blue, or not green, but blue or black, like (laughs) a blackberry or blueberry or raspberry or strawberry or beets Mm. or cranberries or pomegranates. All of these are powerful lymphatic movers for the body. So that's some of the ways that we get the lymphatic system to move is by taking some of these very powerful antioxidants.
0: What about some of the exercises? like what about osteopathy where they're, or acupuncture or chiropractic when they're actually helping and working the, along the spine and looking around around the brain to help <clears throat> your lymphatic, I guess your your brain drain from these chemicals. This is fascinating you're, you're, information, you're, by boy, the way. You're
2: <laughs> so right on. There actually are techniques like the traditional osteopathic therapy and some of the chiropractic techniques, like some of the upper cervical techniques as a doctor um, uh Is doctor, I can't think of his name right now, but he's a doctor who did research on some of these upper cervical techniques, and uh, when they actually did these very non-forced adjustments for the upper cervical, it increased cerebral spinal fluid going into the brain. And cerebral Mm -hmm. spinal fluid moves up and down your spine into your brain, and it's like a washer fluid for the ventricles of your brain. It's basically cerebral spinal fluid, you've all heard of it, is basically brain lymphatic fluid. It is lymphatic fluid. It just happens to be in your brain and spinal cord. It's the exact same stuff. And that fluid washes your brain then drains that fluid into the lymphatics of your brain and drains it out through your lymphatic system. So when you increase cerebral spinal fluid with either osteopathic techniques or certain chiropractic techniques, you can actually, you know, really increase the ability for your brain to drain more effectively. I've written some articles, a recent article I wrote on my website, uh, they found 13 different mystery veins, literally veins that. This is crazy. People don't even know this. There's veins that drill through your skull and drain pressure out of your head and your brain, 13 of them. And they found when they put chemicals like hair dye or different things on your head, those chemicals find their way into the brain in the same Mm -hmm. dosage if you were to actually ingest it. Uh when you massage your head really vigorously, you increase the circulation on the inside of your skull. So these 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 veins are designed to support lymphatic drainage of your brain. The body is really well equipped to pull this off, but if we have a lot of toxins and it gets congested, the brain vessels don't drain, you get migraine headaches, you get pain in your head and around your scalp. Mm. These are all signs that your lymphs are congested and they need to be opened up. So you know head massage, vigorous head massage, um, you know, exercise Uh, is very, very powerful. Yoga is very, very powerful. And love, of course, the foods will help move and support lymphatic flow.
0: I find that fascinating, especially for women who are listening who dye their hair, right? I mean, women are going every six weeks to dye their hair. And I think, you know, what you're saying is incredible information because there are ways, I mean, hopefully women, if they are, you know, for those of you who are listening and you are dyeing your hair, you're using more natural ingredients, although even the natural ones have chemicals in them. But what you're saying then, doctor, is that, you know, These are really important on a regular basis to get those head massages, to do that hot yoga, to anything that's going to help drain your brain, which will help you keep your mind, your cognitive function, uh, you know, basically keeping it up, keeping it in good function and basically that you can, your memory is good and also getting rid of all those toxins so that you could incorporate some of these foods like wheat into your back into your diet, especially if you're avoiding it because you're feeling ill effects from it.
2: Well, no doubt that the, the symptoms of most of the wheat intolerance that people have are lymphatic. If people have, you know, they're tired or lethargic, they have brain fog, their skin rashes, bloat around their belly. These are all lymphatic symptoms, and that's the one of the major points in eat wheat. Um, all the things that you mentioned, my very first book called Body, Mind, Sport, we did research on nasal breathing, exercise versus mouth breathing, now it's... You know, fast forward a whole bunch of years, we have science to show that nasal breathing actually increases cerebral spinal fluid flow and brain lymphatic flow. So when you do your yoga, breathe deeply into your nose. When you go for a walk, breathe deeply in and out through your nose because that will actually move your CSF. And that CSF, cerebral spinal fluid, is like the brain washing fluid. And the more you can move... The more you can exercise, the more you can breathe deeply through your nose, the more fluid you have, the better your brain will drain. And then if, and then if you have any congestion in your brain, which means brain fog, those kinds of things, yeah, take wheat out of your diet for a little while. Take dairy out of your diet for a little while. Reboot your digestive system, your lymphatic system, and then see if you can and get rid of the processed foods and the bad sugars, and then see if you can begin to reintroduce whole foods back into your diet and not feel those issues. And you'll find that the science behind whole Food, whole wheat diets like the Mediterranean diet, the mind diet. They mm-hmm. eat wheat. The Mediterranean diet is a wheat-based mm-hmm. diet, but nobody mm-hmm. talks about that. You know, everybody says wheat is just poison. In its refined form, every food in a processed food is a poison. And that's really where our war should be fighting is on processed foods. And We have a $16 billion year gluten-free industry giving us processed foods in replacement mm-hmm. for whole foods. It's just a, a dangerous road to hoe for us.
0: You know, and, you know, it's interesting. I mean, I've been gluten free for many, many years, probably 10 plus years. And I know the importance of, you know, eating that fiber and the lack of that fiber when you're eating these diets. So for me, as someone who's gluten intolerant, I'm a nutritionist. I look at this. I'm going to read your book from beginning to end. And I'm very excited to go right. through it because, and I, you know, as I'm looking through it and, you know, sifting here, but from, and this is what's fascinating to me from page 223. To all the way to the end, literally, to like, you know, there's so many pages to two forty eight is all references. So what's amazing is all based obviously on a lot of research and you spent a lot of time <laughs> looking up your sources. Yeah. So that alone is pretty fascinating to me. And I want to thank you for being on our show today. I mean, really eye opening for me. I would love, love, love for you to come back on the show because I'm gonna I'm gonna read through it and I really wanna I don't eat wheat, I don't eat dairy, and I avoid gluten as well. So I just I want to read through it, try some of these things and really look at that congestion of the lymphatic system because I think that might be a really big missing link for so many of us that can't digest certain foods. So fascinating information. Well, thank you very much for your time today, Dr. Duyard. For those of you who are listening, please eat wheat Go ahead and buy this book. I'm Andrea Donsky along with Lisa Davis. You're listening to Naturally Savvy Radio. Like us on all social media at Naturally Savvy, at Andrea Donsky, at Radio MD, and at Health Media Gal 1. Thanks for listening, everyone. And thanks to Neosel, our partner for today, for making this show possible. To learn more, visit neosel.com. Stay well.